You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Lots of lots on the plate today. Lots to run through on this Monday edition. So, of course, let's roll. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question. Oh, it's up there for today, people. You can run and get on that. We will get to that in a little bit. You got Garrett Cole set to make his uh, spring debut for the Yankees today. Yoannis Cespedes ends his media boycott. Oh, thank goodness. You have the Astros stealing signs, literally stealing signs, actually taking signs from fans at games and just taking them and, I guess, burning them someplace. Maybe that. Maybe now they're sending smoke signals to the batters. Maybe that's what they're doing. Who knows? Who knows what that team is up to? But... Let's start with the big event of the weekend. And how often have we been able to say this? The big event of the weekend was boxing. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder have been talking about it for weeks. And on Saturday, I talked about my anticipation for the fight, but also my leeriness. My, um, I was a little worried that we've been down this road before. Big anticipation for an event, and with boxing, when it's big, it's an event. There's no question about it. But then the event comes, you built up all this anticipation, and it does not live up to anywhere close to what you were expecting. Either it's just a snooze fest, either it's not exciting in any way, you keep waiting for something big to happen and nothing big happens. Well, this was not that. This was fantastic. And keep in mind, it was not back-and-forth battle. It was not a uh, a real battle at all. It was one-sided. It was a dominating performance, and it was an impressive performance. As you know by now, Tyson Fury wins. The ref stopping the fight in the seventh round as the uh, towel gets thrown in by uh, Deontay Wilder's camp, a decision that we will get into in a minute. But just first off, how awesome was it to have a big time fight? That is an event. And you know, I thought, I was thinking before the fight, you know, they have so much lead up. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine being in the arena waiting for the fight? I mean, it was hours before they could get anything going on there. Even when the under, like there was the, the last fight before the main event started, I was like, they have another fight? Felt like it was going on forever, but. It was kind of interesting that in the lead-up to the main event finally getting up there and finally getting guys in the ring, and then even the the uh, even when it was time to get the guys in the ring, you know, Fury's coming in there on, on uh, being carried in. Deontay Wilder has his whole get-up. Yeah, that didn't look ridiculous after the fact. I mean, if I maybe if I were a fighter, I'd feel different. Like you do all those things. How are you going to feel doing all those things if you lose? Like, maybe you don't think about it if you lose, but boy, oh boy. You look ridiculous after the fact. Well, I have to get my mask on. I have to get my costume on. I know it's not uh, Deontay Wilder. That, he's not the only one that does it. And Fury did it as well. But I thought it was interesting that Lennox Lewis was was in the ring. They had a Vander Holyfield there. Mike Tyson was there, which you would expect, but... It felt like this event from start to finish, it felt like back then. It felt like it was an event again. And it really hasn't been an event 
maybe once in a while, but since those guys were in their heyday. And Tyson Fury, what can you say? I mean, he put together a perfect game plan. He executed it perfectly. Just a dominating, brutal butt-kicking. Total domination from start to finish, from coming in on a throne, beating the living daylights out of a guy who had never lost in 43 fights and had 41 knockouts in them, licked blood off the guy's neck, and then finished the night by singing American Pie. And it felt, that song is like eight minutes long. His version felt even longer than that. That felt very drawn out. You know, Jim Valvano had the speech where he said, if you, if you, if you cry, if you laugh and you, and you think in the course of a day, that's a full day. If you walk into a boxing match with all eyes on you and don't walk, you get carried in on a throne. You beat the living daylights out of somebody who has never lost. You lick blood off your opponent and you end the night by singing an American pie. That's a full day, my friend. That's a full day. And Fury took it right to him, knocked him down in the third, knocked him down in the fifth. If Deontay Wilder has an iPhone 11, let's just say the face ID recognition is not going to be activated for a few days. It's going to take a little while. It's going to take a little while before that's be. You're going to have to push in your code for the next few days if you're uh, Deontay Wilder. But this really was about Fury, who even... Having the win he had against Klitschko, was that five years ago now? This was his best performance. Everything was perfect. Everything for him worked perfectly. Even things that everybody questioned before the fight, the the idea of adding weight worked out perfectly. The game plan of coming right at Wilder worked out perfectly, took away his power. Leaning on him, trying to sap his energy worked perfectly. And, oh, yeah, in between, beat the living daylights out of him. That also worked pretty well as well. So all credit to the Gypsy King, who is fantastic for boxing, big personality, big-time performance, obviously looks the part, 6'9", has the, the, you know, the personality, as I said, and he delivered. Delivered from start to finish. And when the fight started and Fury had the attack approach, you're like, all right, fine, you know, that might work early on, but let's see what happens when Wilder kind of maybe overcomes a little bit of a slow start. Well, he never he never overcame that slow start, and it was it was weird because I guess it was the third round, right? Wilder is sitting in the corner and he's got blood trickling out of his ear. And I'm thinking I mean, I think everybody said to themselves at the time, you know, I'm not Freddie Roach, but that's not good. And it really didn't seem to phase his corner at all. Maybe, maybe they did mention it. Maybe, you know, you just get the little shots here or there, but it seemed like they were almost slow to react, quite like Deontay Wilder was slow to react. And I thought Andre Ward on the broadcast did a phenomenal job saying that the corner was in as much denial as it seemed like Wilder was during the fight. It wasn't like they were treating his injury. They just kept telling him, ah, just keep going at him. <laughs> that turned out to be the wrong approach. So Mark Breland, the assistant trainer, decides to throw the towel in the seventh, which apparently has been met with some disagreement, even in Wilder's camp, which is surprising. And I am sure 
Like, we do this show, 5 o'clock, and I'm sure some people had reaction to the fight yesterday, but most all the, the, the big names are going to have their reaction today. Not just on our show, but all the, the, you know, the ESPN shows, all the talking head shows. And I'm sure it might not be a popular talk show host talking point, but it will pop up here and there. I don't think the, the majority of people will feel this way. But it will be a popular talk show host talking point that the camp somehow, not that they made a mistake by throwing the towel when they did, but that Wilder deserves more time. That he deserved time to try to land that one miracle punch, right? Because that's what it would have been. It would have been a miracle punch. And we've seen things, I mean, strange things happen in boxing all the time. Guys that look like they're completely done, completely finished. And it's not, I mean, in terms of outrageous statements that are made in sports talk, I I guess it's not the most ridiculous, right? After all, it is boxing. It's brutal. And it was brutal for Deontay Wilder on Saturday night. But that's the deal, right? You know the deal going in. The old line, you can't play boxing. You got to fight. And he was getting his rear end handed to him from pillar to post. But that's part of the deal when you're in boxing. And he is the champ. And the undefeated champ at that. 41 knockouts. This incredible power. And one punch could have complete. And imagine what that night would have been like. Tyson Fury doing everything right. Every single thing that he put into that fight turned out perfectly. And if Deontay Wilder had ever been able to land that big punch, he knocked him down twice in the first bout. So it's not to say he couldn't have done it again. And Wilder has looked bad in other fights. He's very unorthodox, his size, all those things, and he's recovered in the past. I would just simply say my caveat, my my rebuttal, rather, to all those people that would be pointing out those, I guess, fair things in other situations. Did you not watch the fight? I mean, Deontay Wilder, it wasn't just that he was getting beaten. It wasn't just that his face was bloody, he's spitting up blood, he's got ear, his ear is, I mean, it's just gushing out of his ear, the blood. He had no balance. What's, I mean, he could not put one foot in front of another. He had no power. Your power is going to come from your legs primarily. I mean, he could To me, the question was, should they have stopped the fight earlier? That's how bad he was. He was dominated, I would say, for the whole night, but certainly the last four rounds. Like, the first couple of rounds, it was a bad start, but I— watching it, I thought to myself, all right, he can still turn this around. After the third round, certainly within the third round, but certainly after the third round, those hopes were fading fast. And by, I would say, the fifth round, I had no expectation that Deontay Wilder was going to be able to win that fight outside of just an unbelievable miracle kind of punch. So our poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is that there's been some controversy apparently surrounding the uh, results of the fight, the fact that the corner decided to throw in the towel. And it would be one thing if it was just outside people saying this. But the fact that his own training staff kind of, it seems like there's some sort of disagreement over the decision, I figured that would be the poll question today. Did Wilder's camp make the right call by deciding to throw in the towel.
You can vote on the poll question either. A, he deserved more time. I don't think that anybody thinks that he was going to necessarily win the fight if you had allowed it to go on. I don't think that's really what people think. It's just simply that Wilder, even after the fight, said, I wanted to go out on my shield. So do you think he deserved more time, or do you think they made the right decision? You could vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Arthur Powell. I didn't think he should have. Deontay's the kind of guy that, he's the kind of guy that's a go-out-on-his-shield kind of guy, and he would tell you straight up, don't throw the towel in. All right, so that's Jay Deese, I believe is how it's pronounced. Jay Deese, who is the uh, head trainer. Mark Breland, who threw the towel, is his assistant trainer. But, of course, if, you remember, if you're old enough, you remember, but Mark Breland was, a, was an Olympic champion and a longtime fighter as well. So um, interesting that the uh, conversation is kind of focused on whether or not that was the right decision. It feels like the overwhelming majority in our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, about whether or not it was the right decision, it seems like the overwhelming majority of people will say it was the right decision. And I agree it was the right decision because at the end of the day, you want to fight as long as you have a chance. But it seemed pretty clear that if Deontay Wilder was going to turn it around, it would be one thing if he was just getting beat, right? Like it didn't look good. But he was just getting beat. His, his, he had to change his strategy. He had to do something different. But he was hurt, man. He was legitimately hurt. And he had blood trickling out of his ear for at least two or three rounds. And it was getting progressively worse. So I get it. It is boxing. And you have to accept the brutality part of it. And in terms of... Um, just Wilder himself as a boxer, he is kind of unorthodox because of his size, so we've seen him look bad at other times, and he's been able to, to come back. I feel like Jay Deese is just kind of – he's saying that because that's what Deontay Wilder said after the fight. And I get why Deontay Wilder would feel that way, but there are people within his camp. It's not just about giving him advice or, or training him. It's about protecting him from himself sometimes, and I, I think that that's what they did on Saturday night. So it certainly seems like, and, and we'll find out, because now there's that clause in the contract, he is 30 days wilder, to demand a rematch. And people have questioned whether or not that's the right approach, right? Like, do you get right back in there after getting so thoroughly beaten? Or do you kind of take a different approach and say, you know what, let's kind of regroup. Don't don't uh, go with that clause. Fight maybe some easier fighters and kind of build yourself back up before you have, because you'll eventually get the chance again. You would think, although he is 34, you know, you think that Tyson Fury feels like he's the older guy. He's only 31. So I don't know how that's going to impact uh, Deontay Wilder of whether or not. I would think that that he probably would be better off not exercising that clause and kind of building himself back up here over the next year or two and then getting back in there. Because it kind of feels like, and maybe it's just because I'm a novice when it comes to boxing. I, you know, I'm a fan and I'm into it. And I've watched the big fights, but I'm not an expert by any. I'm not an expert on anything, but I'm certainly not, not an expert when it comes to boxing. It feels like, and maybe it's just because of the immediacy of it. It feels like Deontay Wilder got exposed, doesn't it? It feels like because it was just such a thorough domination. It feels like. That Wilder, he gets by because of the incredible power, but he is a lot less than the sum of the parts. 
He has this incredible power, and he's this big guy, and he's been around for a long time, and you look at the record and all those things, but it feels like he's less than the sum of the parts, and it feels like he kind of got exposed. Now, I'm sure he probably, I heard Max Kellerman after the fight saying that, that don't worry, Wilder will be back, this is a bad performance, but that it's just one performance. I don't know, man. I think that he would be better served kind of getting back and maybe looking at his training staff because it didn't seem like anybody in his corner and maybe there is nothing you could really say, right? It's a burst if it's a burst eardrum or, or whatever it is. There's no real, um, there's no workaround for that. It's not about a question of strategy, but it certainly felt like he kind of got exposed on Saturday night. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven three seven seven six. Let's go out to Austin is in Jersey City. Austin, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Yeah, I just want to say that um, I, I agree with you. The, the, the obvious humane things take them up. Also, there are two different questions here being asked within within the subtext is that, you know, both are right and both are wrong because if he had been left in, there's also the possibility they could have gotten that lucky punch. So if you're talking from a boxing logistics situation, yeah, you could have argued for even longer. But from the, you should always have the humane consideration, uh, have precedence over that. Over that. So obviously, uh, that that should take. Um, that should be the, the, the proper answer, but they are—they're really I, people are going to get lost in that discussion, not, not make those distinctions, which should be obvious. But yet, people will talk about it as if they're one and the same question. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how. Like, it would be one thing if he was just getting outpointed, or he had been knocked down, and it did seem like he was getting beaten up, but there weren't such visible signs. But the fact that he could—it it didn't seem like he had any balance in the fight after that second round. So. If you're if you're if you're holding out for a miracle punch, and that's what it would have been, it would have been a miracle punch. I don't even think that that was realistic because he didn't seem to have any balance, any coordination. It just seemed like it was an inevitable thing after I would say the fifth round, certainly. But I felt like after I think it was probably the fourth round, my hope of and and uh, there's a reason why I had hope because uh, I live in Jersey and I have uh, the ability to go on. The various betting apps. I was I was holding out hope, but after the fourth round, I had considered that money lost. That money was gone. It was out of my pocket, and I wasn't getting it back. So even as someone who had a betting interest, a rooting interest monetarily for Deontay Wilder to put things together, I had no expectation that he was going to. And you know what? We'll focus on the decision of the uh, the of his camp to throw the towel. I think it was just a matter of time before the ref stopped it anyway, because that's how brutal of a beating it was. Let's go out to, uh, let's see here, uh, Lewis is in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, listen, I mean... First off, I, I just want to say, thank God we had a fight so we didn't have to watch that boring XFL this weekend. Let me just put uh, that Oh, why would you do that? I'm just saying, all, it was nice to have <laughs> some actual action that you were, could be invested in. But go ahead. Well, I've been, watch, I've been watching every game, and so far they're... They're what I think they are. They're they're pretty decent. They're good, and I'm being entertained. So all right. you know, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. If you're entertained. Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> so listen, you know what? Yeah. What you're right. You know, I'll 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 be I'll be lying if I said that I was <clears throat> that I was going for Fury. I actually thought Wilder was going to win exactly because of that because of that power behind that punch. You know, I still have it. I still have the memory vivid. You know, like when he punched Ortiz so hard. Literally, all the sweat came off his head, <laughs> and and I was I was hoping for the same thing. And to be honest, when I knew the fight was over, was when uh, Fury hit him right in the gut, and Wilder just fell back. It was that like was the fifth. That was, like, was the second knockdown. Yeah, 
yeah, like I was like, dude, like the guy, a gut punch, yeah, you know, most most of us regular people, a gut punch for Fury will knock us down. But, you know, Wilder is a different person. He should be able to, like, take that hit and be not okay, but not fall to the ground. And on top of that, man, like the not normal people don't bleed from the ear and then walk around like nothing's happening, like. Yeah, it's kind of strange that it doesn't really happen more often, right? Like, you get hit in the (laughs) ear, you would think that, right? You you get a good shot in the ear like that. But it it was Fury's night, and he was perfect from start to everything. Everything that you could question about his approach to adding the weight, to going right at him. And he he said he he gave you the game plan that he was going to get, he was going to carry out, and he was able to carry it out. But everything that was was questionable that that you thought going in turned out to be the perfect approach. But that was another thing, too, on top of, uh, you know, like, th- most fighters say they're going to do one thing to psych out the other right, fighter. Right, no, he... But Fury was like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to knock you out in your own game. And he did exactly that, man. That, man, like, that was a, that was actually a great fight. And to be honest, for people that say they don't want to watch the third fight, I think, I think if Wilder comes in for the third time, man, he's going to lose again. But I would still would like to watch to see if he can get that lucky punch. Well, look, I mean, every time is different, right? And thanks for the call, Lewis. Uh, every time is different. So, you know, because you feel the way you feel right now, who knows what there? If he does go for the rematch, and it happens, I would guess probably before the end of the year, who knows how differently it will be? I mean, there's obviously things that he has to work on, and I think that maybe him adding the weight was a far bigger factor and clearly a, a, a far bigger negative for him than it was for Tyson Fury. You know, we focused all about Tyson Fury adding this weight because he was so heavy. That turned out to be the right approach. He did seem to have more power in this fight, was able to knock him down twice after not being able to really uh, connect in the first fight that way. So who knows? I mean, it, it's possible that that Deontay Wilder looks at things, and who knows how much differently it would have been if he didn't take that shot in the ear, I feel like that shot in the ear, and I don't, I haven't seen anybody say this for sure that it punctured his eardrum, but you have to figure that would throw off your equilibrium, right? That your, your balance, and that I think was the key thing. He had no balance. He had no coordination really after that, that, that knockdown. That was the, the, the key punch in that fight. And if that does not happen, now I don't know how you train so that you don't get. I guess the key is you don't get hit in the ear, right? You make sure you don't get get, uh, get caught with a real shot like that that burst your eardrum. If that's what ended up happening, but it certainly seems like that was the case because he had just no balance, no equilibrium, and um, no ability. Really, it seemed like to put one foot in front of the other after that shot. Let's go out to James in Jersey. James, what's going on, man? Hey, Gordon, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to plead to everyone, and, and, and the, the, the fight has to take place again. But I want to come from a perspective of gambling and not believe in the hype. Now, when you had Joshua and you had Wilder, and those were the two guys that you were expecting, but heavyweight boxing was struggling. So after about two fights of that, then boxing becomes boring again. So you want to create a narrative that anybody can beat anybody, which is good for the the the, the sport of boxing. And instead of two heavy uh, two mega fights, you can create eight by letting Joshua throw the fight and letting Walt Wilder throw his fight. Joshua, you lose, and then give your respect back. Wilder, you lose, and then you. So you're saying it's fixed. Back. And it comes back full circle, and then Joshua will fight I mean, Wilder in the beginning. But right. I think 
when someone is asked to throw a fight, they are not the aggressor, and Wilder was not the aggressor. Uh, all right, James. So you're, so you're saying that Saturday night was fixed? Yes, I, I honestly believe. But all right, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, James. He yeah. gets knocked down. What was it in the second round? Why doesn't he just stay down? Why does he? <laughs> why does he take five more rounds of just getting battered in the face? Because he was probably asked to take him the distance, <laughs> and he was probably asked, he was probably asked, "Hey, look, look, fight him, take it, take it the distance, and make it look believable enough to where people want to pay for another mega fight." I, I look. You know I, I think it was so bad. I don't know that it necessarily. Look, I'll be in. I don't. I don't know necessarily that that was the thing. I think the thing that would have sold a third fight better would have been a really close fight, right? One where both sides got their shots in. Maybe it went, maybe not the distance, but certainly ten rounds, knockdowns on both sides. That would have sold a third fight. I mean, we thought it was a great fight because it was a. To- it was not boring by any stretch of the imagination. Can't say that fight was boring, but it was lopsided. It was a complete, thorough domination by Tyson Fury. So if you are – see, that's the problem with conspiracy theories. It, when you throw in facts, facts are just immediately dismissed like they don't matter. And any kooky little crazy thing can be fed into the conspiracy theory. No, I don't think <laughs> – I don't think that it was fixed. I don't think that that was the case. Maybe it's just me. Let's go to Sal and Aberdeen. Sal, what's going on? Hey, Gordon, how you doing? Uh before I get to the fight, a uh, quick question on the show. Is Debbie in studio with you? No. Oh, because I was going to say, because it seems like, you know, when the other girls come on, it's like they're just talking heads and they're not there. But I love when she engages you. You guys are, uh, could be the Howard Stern and Robert Quivers of sports talk. I would, uh, that's very, very kind of you to say. <laughs> I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah. I no love- better way to get more airtime on a sports talk radio show than uh, compliment the host. That's always the best <laughs> okay. way to go. Uh, on the on the fight, um, I think they stopped it. You know, they could have stopped it earlier. When you get that bleeding from the ear, my son used when he was little, he used to get uh, ruptured eardrums all the time. And it's it's it, you're right. The equilibrium's got to be thrown off. Uh, what what would have happened if you know he would have got hit in the head and they found out that he had bleeding on the brain? Right. And, I mean, you he's know, taking I mean, mega he's shots from a. I, I mean, he's. Tyson Fury is a monster. He's six foot nine. He's three hundred pounds. Some, I mean, and I think that he's the best thing for boxing right now. I mean, he's engaging. He's a little wacky. Yeah. So I think they need that now. And uh, going forward, I mean, uh, I, I'd watch his fights. I mean, I'd, I'd pay for him. Yeah, I, I would watch a third one, even though it was a complete domination. And hopefully, for for Fury's sake, you know, he's had some issues in the past. He's talked about him, mental illness, uh, addiction. Yeah, he ballooned up after, I think it was the Klitschko fight. He had to lose like 100 pounds. So he's had a real roller coaster of a career. So hopefully this win, which is a huge win, and as thorough a performance, I mean, he will fight, I don't know how much longer he'll fight, say another five years, maybe another 10 fights. He will never put up another performance as thoroughly dominating as that one, I don't think. I mean, that was a perfect performance from start to finish on a big stage and all eyes watching him, and he did as great a job as possible. But it's not exactly like I expect him now to be this kind of fighter every single time out. There's still some some uncertainty about that. And I think at least part of that performance, not that it's necessarily Wilder's fault, but the fact that he was injured the way he was, I think kind of plays into it. 
everything that he wanted to do, he could do because he was he was going up against a wounded fighter. And over to Ramsey. The Yelechinov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. All right, so there you go. Your moment of inspiration for this Monday. That was actually the anniversary on Saturday, but we don't have a, you know, we don't do the moment of inspiration during the Saturday show, so we saved it for the Monday show. It still works because it's been 40 years now and it still is an inspiring call. So there you go, your moment of inspiration. And really, I mean, what more needs to be said? Every, everything about it was perfect, right? It's 1980. It's the Olympics. It's not about your team. It's about country. It's USA versus Russia. The heavy favorites, the heavy underdogs, even the call, iconic call. Every part of it was absolutely perfect. So there you go. Uh, of course, Al Michaels at a comeback, no, no, no less, right? They're losing 3-2. They come back and they win. So everything about it was perfect. And still, even 40 years later, probably the greatest upset in the history of sports, I'm sure maybe you can find some small sport here or there, but it's kind of hard to beat that stage. So your moment of inspiration for this Monday, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Our poll question, which was, uh, which is up for today, it's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer about the big fight on Saturday night between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Did the uh, did Mark Breland, not even his corner, did Mark Breland make the right decision by throwing the towel. I think they did. I can understand some of the parts of the defense of this is boxing, especially a guy with the power of Deontay Wilder. He owe, he, You owe it to him to give him that shot, even if it is a long shot. Well, I think it was more than a long shot. I think it was a miracle. That's what you would have been asking for, a miracle. And there's very real consequences, right? Guys bleeding from the ear. Even in a brutal sport where you know that going in, and even after the fight saying that he wanted to go out on a shield, I think that there's somebody in the corners whose job it is to protect him from himself and to have a better read on the situation than the guy who's in the arena, right, who's in the battle, who's in the fight. And I think they did make the right decision. And I think it's it's a lot of, of nonsense because I think that it was just a matter of time before the ref himself Called it, And I think that people are right that they could have probably, in hindsight, have called that fight even earlier than that because it certainly seemed like his skills in that fight, Deontay Wilder, were getting diminished over time. After the, the, the first knockdown, certainly you're saying, all right, it's more than just a slow start here. This is, this is troublesome. He doesn't really look right. And I don't know if it was – I saw somebody brought it up on Twitter that he wasn't – properly prepared for the fight it's kind of tough to say that because the 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 shot to the ear happened so early and how much of that was an impact on him not being able to kind of look like himself because he did not look like himself at all he looked completely lost and really from that that knockdown on it seemed like he was just going for the knockdown it looked like he was just trying to do it in one punch wasn't trying to put anything together was just trying to land that one big shot and obviously was not able to do so, and, and it really seemed like as the fight went along, as I said, it was getting harder and harder for him to uh, put one foot in front of another. All right, so that the boxing is there, and certainly we've been taking calls on that at 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776, but there was a couple of baseball things that I wanted to hit on. A, Yoannis Cespedes finally broke his, uh, his media boycott yesterday that um, talked to the media, said that his... His confidence level, I guess, is at a 12, 
And you would have to say, to be fair, and I don't know how many people really expect Yohannes Cespedes to be a major factor after all the time that he's missed, but you have to be fair. He is a real X factor for the Mets. If he were able, I'm not even saying 150, 140, if he could play 110 games, 100 games, that would be a major he would have a major impact for the Mets if he's anywhere close to what Yohannes Cespedes has been in the past. And he's saying all the right things, and I'm sure at spring training he'll look the part. And if it just comes down to hitting the ball, right, yeah, he'll be able to hit some spring training home runs. The problem is, is that it is a long shot. He's 34 years old. He's not a guy that was, in terms of his legs, was really in all that great a shape already. You know, it wasn't just the boar thing. He had the ankle thing. He's played 38 games over two years. And if even you want to go back to three, he's played 119 in the last three years combined. To think that he is going to somehow, and I think you'd have to play at least 80 games to be considered a factor. I think that that's, that's kind of a, a stretch to think that at this stage, a guy who's come, overcoming all the things that he's going to have to overcome is going to be able to play even that significant a, a factor. So, yes, if he were able to play, that would be a huge boost for the Mets offensively. But I think that that's a bit of a stretch, at least at this stage of spring training. You're going to have to see him playing games, be able to run the bases. And it wasn't like he was great at running the bases already. And he's going to have to play the field, which I think is going to be a factor, too, whether or not he's able to to, to live up to that wear and tear. So let's get a little further along before we're expecting anything out of Yohannes Cespedes. Garrett Cole makes his first start of the spring today. It's it's shocking to me that that is happening in a game that is not broadcast either by Yes or MLB Network. I know it's spring training. I know it's just Goofy Gordon being a Yankee fan wanting to watch it. And I realize he's not going to be out there for that long. But could somebody step up and show us the game? You know, MLB talking about all these things. Oh, we got to grow the game. we got to grow the game. Let's put in 17 playoff teams. Hey, I don't know. Maybe put a camera at the Yankee game where Garrett Cole, the guy who just signed for $324 million, is making his spring debut. I don't know. That might be a good idea. It's crazy to me that that's not. As far as the other things for the Yankees, uh, you saw that Miguel Andujar over the weekend had the home run. And you talk about X-Factors. It's almost like he kind of gets lost in the mix, right, with all the other things going on with the Yankees. It's almost like Miguel Andujar, this guy who was the runner-up for the the Rookie of the Year two years ago and really should have won the award, but, of course, that's an argument for another day. If this guy, I I don't know where exactly he is going to fit. It still feels like third base is going to be the place because for all great that Gio Urshela was last year, I mean, is that really – is that a foregone conclusion that he is going to be that player now? I mean, it wasn't like he's a, a, a real rookie. He had bounced around and was nowhere close to that player before. Now, I will say, if Gio Urshela can put up the numbers that he put up last year and play the kind of defense that he plays regularly at third base, I would think that the the the, the tie goes to the runner. I think the tie is going to go to Gio Urshela. And I don't really know where... Miguel Andujar fits. I know that they say that they're going to have him play the outfield some. There's not really an opening there, right? It's not like he can play center field. <laughs> you know, if, if he could play center in a perfect world, all right, maybe that's a place he can kind of get in the mix. But if Judge is healthy and, and Stanton's healthy and the other guys you have in the outfield are going to get into the mix too, it doesn't really feel like there's a spot there for Miguel Andujar. 
But his bat plays, man, and his bat is anything like it was his rookie year. They're going to have to find a spot for him. Maybe it is a little bit at first base. But if Luke Voigt is healthy, I mean, that's another guy that kind of gets lost. Like, ah, Luke Voigt, no big. No, Luke Voigt, even last year, even after the injury where he really was not able to do anything offensively, still put up numbers last year. Last year he had an OPS for the season, even with that terrible stretch after the injury, which clearly was a factor. He had an OPS of 842. An OPS plus of 124. So, no, I mean, there's a lot of guys you got to – if everybody's healthy, and let's hope that that's the case, we got through a weekend where everybody was healthy, and let's hope Garrett Cole gets through the day with no issues popping up because then this show is going away. I'm not going to be able to take it anymore. But if everybody's healthy, the Yankees are going to have some very pleasant problems in terms of who gets playing time when and trying to get guys enough playing time where they feel like they can get on a roll – but yet resting guys here and there, which the Yankees uh, seem to do all the time. Then the final thing was the story over the weekend from the Astros spring training game. Apparently some fans, I don't know if they were Astros fans, I don't know if they were fans of other teams, showing up with signs about the Astros cheating scandal, right? It's It's been the big story all year. Well, just keep in mind to know where we are in the story. Right, And I said that the penalty phase, if you're still expecting penalties for Major League Baseball, you're going to be disappointed because it's pretty clear that they've already moved on. But when it comes to cheating, just so you know, and we know this because of other cheating, you know, the Patriots, right? How does it start? It always starts with the team saying, that's not true. This is ridiculous. This is not true at all. We didn't do this. And then when it gets proven that it is true... They'll usually come up with something, well, you know, we did it, yes, but we're not the only teams that are doing it, right? The Astro, oh, Carlos Beltran was on the Yankees. Well, there's no evidence that the Yankees were doing anything like that. Oh, well, you know, the Red Sox, all right, well, the Red Sox punishment's expected to come down sometime this week. So it'll go from stage one where, no, we didn't do that, that's not true, to everybody's doing it. Then it'll become, oh, you're just haters. It's just haters. You guys just couldn't beat us. And that's your problem. And then it will be some form of, well, even if we didn't do this, we would have beaten you anyway. That would be that would be the next stage. And then finally, the last stage is, and this is the stage the Astros are now clearly trying to move into. Oh, enough already. Enough. We've gone through this already. The story broke November. And it's the first season since the story broke that you cheated your way to a World Series. Funny that the story would have legs. Oh, enough already. Enough. Let's move on. That's the stage that we're in. And unfortunately, Major League Baseball is just as guilty. We have not mentioned uh, David Ayers. Is that how you say David Ayers? He is the emergency backup goaltender for the Carolina Hurricanes, who actually got into the game yesterday because of injuries to the top two guys. I feel like this story happens more often than not. Why are there not more? Why don't you have more goalies? You feel, I feel like you should have three goalies going on. I know that the third guy's not going to play that often, but I guess it didn't really hurt them. They still won the game. The guys, the Zamboni driver and the emergency guy. It's funny. They said, uh, you know, the first guy gets hurt and he got a bunch of text messages, right? Like joking around. But then somebody actually told him, no, you better get dressed. You're, you're, you're going out there. I mean, could you imagine the panic that's like, I'm sure he's, it's the time of his life. It's the opportunity he's always dreamed of, but there has to be some level. Of panic, right? The, oh, my God. Seriously? But he did all right. He gave up two goals on three shots to, in the period that he went in, and then in the third period he stopped all seven shots. Good for him. 
What a day. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Keith is in Piscataway. Keith, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, man? I was calling about that Dante Wilder fight, man. I think that was a fixed fight, bro. <laughs> Keith, I'm telling he you. Got his, he, why would he stand there for seven rounds? So was the, was the, the bleeding of the knockdown. ear part of the conspiracy? No, the first knockdown, if you see how he got hit, he got hit in the back of the head, actually. The first knockdown, it was just like how Mike Tyson did Bruce Sel- Seldon, Bruce I believe, when he just clipped him across the head and he, the guy just fell. That's not Wilder. We all know Wilder is an actual one punch artist. He's waiting for his big bomb punch or bomb squad bomb punch. That man, that fight is set up. Set up. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, what are you talking about? The guy got his his brains beat in for seven rounds. Again, if it was fixed, he gets knocked down in the second round. Why does he just stay down? It's fixed, right? It's it's a predetermined outcome. Why would he get up? And he got punched other times. He could have fell down then. Go to sleep. It's a fix. I don't know. Conspiracy theories. That's the problem. You give them facts and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't impact them in any way. Quickly, John in West Milford. John, go quick, man. Hey man. Uh about the Deontay fight. You know, you gotta look. I mean, what's Wilder? Six three? You know, he's six nine. He he was laying on his jab. He's, he's a point three. puncher. Trying yeah, to no. be a heavy you know. Yeah, You know, he's got to get his jab out there to land his big punch to feel his way through because he doesn't have, if you listen to Teddy Atlas, the boxing skill. No, he's not a complete guy. He's always that. He's a power guy. But the power thing has worked for him quite well. Uh, the problem was, I think, the shot in the ear threw everything out. And it's kind of hard to, to, to pinpoint, all right, this thing, he should have done this, he should have done that. You're bleeding out of your ear. You have no balance. You have no equilibrium. I think that's the, the story of the fight more so than anything else. All right, that's going to do it for today. We're back tomorrow at 5. Please vote on the poll question. We'll see you then. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.